They are ambitious. They are supporters. They are hustlers. They champion other women. They are boss babes. The Ottawa Valley is full of boss babes, and I'm here to tell you who they are. Century 21 has been a staple in the Pembroke of Petawawa area for over 45 years. At Century 21 Aspire Realty, many of our agents are born and raised right here in the Ottawa Valley. We also have close ties with the military community, having agents that are past military members and some that are military spouses. This helps to give us an in-depth understanding of the demands of the military lifestyle and the nuances of frequent relocation. Here at Century 21 Aspire Realty, we are committed to putting the client's needs first. Our agents work hard to act in a manner that is fair and ethical, as well as safe and practical. We are currently experiencing a seller's market like we have never seen before. If you are thinking of selling your property, call us first. Our social media campaigns are the best in the business. We offer professional photography, 3D home tours, and social media promotions across several platforms. Whether you are considering buying or selling, any one of our Century 21 Aspire Realty agents would be happy to assist you in the process. Check us out at www.aspirerealty.c21.ca or give us a call at 613-687-1687. Hello, 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 and welcome to the OB Boss Babes podcast. In 2020, this owner and creator decided it was time to seed, root, and tend to her dream of supporting her community with plants and herbalism. She enjoys crafting herbal offerings for body, skin, and spirit, and you can usually find her in her herb garden or on a forge in the woods or even behind a nice book. She has spent time working as a brand photographer and copywriter over the years, but these days you can find her mainly taking photos of, working with, and writing about wild weeds for health and wellness. Please welcome to the podcast, bioregional herbalist, Britt Gelman of Pine and Clover Apothecary in Deep River. Hello. <laughs> Britt, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm really good. That was a wonderful intro. I feel great about myself. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's nice to have a Friday afternoon off, which is nice. Get to chat with you. And then I'm actually heading out to a bachelorette in Trombois this weekend. So, which oh. feels so weird. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have a social life again. Yeah, things are getting busy again, and we're kind of going back to our new normal. So that's good. That'll I be know. Fun. You know, now that everyone's getting vaccinated and things are opening up, although did you hear too? Stage three is opening up next week. Oh my goodness. That's, it's crazy. It feels like we've been in this for so long that it almost didn't think that it was really going to happen. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so happy. It's so nice to be able to do stuff again. But anyways, Britt, we could go on and on about that all day. But you know what? This podcast is about you. So let's get to know all about Britt. So Britt, tell us, are you originally from the Ottawa Valley area? Where, where are you originally stemmed from and how did you, how did you plant your roots here? Yeah. So uh, we live in Deep River. I'm not originally from Deep River. Um, like a lot of business owners in our area, but I guess something that I don't really talk about a lot is that I am a military spouse. Um, and for the last 11 years, I've been following my husband's career all over Canada while also growing my own. Um, I was born in Ajax and my mom and my brother and I moved to Barrie when I was in grade three. 
which was a really great age to leave a city and move to an area with more beaches and creeks and more green spaces. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in Ajax, you actually could not swim in Lake Ontario. <laughs> so Barrie had really beautiful, clean Georgian Bay, and that's mostly where I grew up. Um, I met my husband there. His family lived in Wasaga Beach. And after we got married and he finished basic training, our first posting was Petawawa, which was a really intense drop right into even more nature. So uh, we spent a few years enjoying the outdoors and making friends. And then we had our children. They were both born at Pembroke Hospital. And then we did a three-year posting in Alberta. And we were really lucky to come back to Petawawa for another posting, which was amazing because it really felt like homecoming. So, And to get a little personal while you are opening up, right? you actually just recently celebrated your 11-year anniversary with your husband. <laughs> Yes, we did. And a lot of people uh, have asked, well, when, when did you guys get married? Um, and sometimes I like to say like, oh, we, we, we must just look very young, but we actually were very young. Um, we got married when I was 18. So we've been uh, together really since our teens into adulthood and really grown together, which has been special. It could have gone sideways, but it did not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, yeah. Fred, I think my first question for you is, what is an apothecary? Yeah, so um, an apothecary is really more of, when we think about an apothecary now, it's, it's mostly a space where you can go and get natural offerings for wellness uh, that are made in small batches. Um, so I have uh, the name Pine and Clover Apothecary, even though we are an online e-commerce business, I did want to include apothecary in the name, sort of a nod to the older times um, when apothecaries were more uh, widely available. And we may one day have a brick and mortar, but for now we really are online. It just felt good to keep that in the business name. Um, and so through the apothecary, I practice bioregional herbalism um, and craft offerings with plants for health and wellness. So I want to actually get into that. Like, how do you actually practice bioregional herbalism? And maybe, maybe actually, what is that? Like for all of us who don't really know. Sure, yeah. Um, so bioregional herbalism is um, really crafting with what's around you in your bioregion. So what we craft follows the season of the year and the plants that are available each season. So we cultivate uh, and grow and forage about 90% of our plant matter from our own herb garden and from the Ottawa Valley. And what we can't grow ourselves, we usually source from some small farms that practice things like regenerative agriculture, Culture and that have more beyond organic methods for growing. Um, so we do it this way because it's really the only way to know where your plants come from. So if you wanted an ingredient that's very, very popular, like white sage, for example, you can certainly purchase it online and have it flown to you using fossil fuels and it will arrive right at your door. But we can't really know if this plant was grown ethically or if it was harvested from an ecosystem that's endangered, or even when it was harvested, it could be five or six years old and, and not really a very potent ingredient. 
but we can cultivate and grow our own garden sage instead. And we can know that the plant isn't endangered. It grew in good soil and that the workers were treated nicely, which is us, so we are. <laughs> um, I believe that bioregional herbalism is really important because the land that we live on actually provides us with what we need. So it's nice to know that the plants that we have here that are native are, are here for a reason and they're abundant as well, so yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious, Brett, like how did you get into this business? And can you kind of talk about your journey towards becoming a bioregional herbalist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can, you can take online courses, which I have done as well. A lot of herbalists are self-taught. So that's also an option for sure. Um, Really, the journey of an herbalist is a lifelong one. So every season and every new plant alley that you work with is continually teaching you. I do have my certification in botanical skincare, which is really important to me. And I've completed a combination of some herbal programs over the years to be where I am today to craft the herbal offerings from our gardens. And I'm also formally trained as a doula, but I did not go into practice. Um, it's really difficult to support a mother during a 12 hour birth when you have your own children at home. <laughs> but I think that my doula training really informed my herbalism studies too, because I enjoy focusing on feminine health and hormonal health. So yeah, I'm, I'm still completing my studies to become a registered clinical herbalist with the Ontario Herbalist Association. And that's when you can begin to work one-on-one -on -one with, uh, with, with folks individually in a clinical setting. But more and more, I'm still wondering if that's the route I want to take because I'm really loving the pathway that my education has taken me, which is crafting herbal-based offerings right now for retail. And how did you like originally decide that you wanted to get into this industry? And I, I, I'm able to call it an industry, right? Because it's just it's all it's a practice. It's wild yeah. crafting. Like it's something so different, and it's not your typical. You know, I want to go to school to become a doctor or a dentist <laughs> or a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like it's something totally different. And again, with becoming an entrepreneur, this is one of the many things that they don't teach in school. Absolutely, yeah, they don't teach a lot. <laughs> about small business for sure. Um, yeah, I've always loved plants and, and being outdoors. And I feel like getting to travel around and see different bioregions um, and, and noticing what's available there, there, sorry, I always started to feel at home when I was outdoors because there was, you know, when we lived in the Alberta prairies, there were certain plants that welcomed me there. And when we came home to Ontario, I... I remember just feeling so grateful to be around a maple tree. <laughs> so um, my husband actually encouraged me. It was something that was on my mind for a while. And after doing photography for a few years, I felt that it was time for a change. I think that certainly the pandemic inspired it as well. And for a lot of folks, they just wanted to, to be outside again. And so I think it was the right time to kind of birth this business for our community. Um, and so far it's, it's been a wonderful choice because it feels really right. And I feel super accepted doing this. So yeah, it just, it just feels like coming home. <laughs> 
And you approach herbalism in a reciprocal way. So you acknowledge that plants are gifts that we must appreciate, tend to, and find ways to give thanks for. But how do you cultivate a practice of gratitude and reciprocity with the plants and the elements that sustain and nourish them? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> so this may kind of be a long answer, but I really love the science and the research aspect of herbalism. I think I'm just a student at heart. I love learning new things, but I also have a very curious side when it comes to things like spirituality and even especially with plants. So really early on in my herbalism studies, I read a book that was quite life-changing and it's called Braiding Sweet Grass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And it's sort of a collection of stories from the author's career as a botanist and a professor and mixed in with some personal stories on being Indigenous. So as someone who works on Indigenous land, I realized pretty early on that even Western herbalism, which can seem very romantic and natural and organic, it's still really rooted in things like displacement and colonization because our Indigenous were really the first original herbalists, but all of the modern research and publications on certain herbs sometimes lacks this indigenous wisdom and the perception that comes from that innate feeling of connection. Um, so what I found is really simple is that our relationship with plants is so reciprocal, meaning that if we continue to steward and care for them, they will care for us right back. And this kind of natural reciprocity is is different from human reciprocity, um, or at least how we've been taught that exchanges happen between people because natural reciprocity doesn't operate within a binary or in some sort of debt system. So it's simply just a mutual ebb and flow. So looking at a plant, um, sometimes a plant is giving to you for a really long while before you give back to it. Or if you've been growing it, for example, you've been giving it something for a long time before you can harvest it. So if we can make sure that a species survives, then they can really graciously continue to produce that support back for us. So uh, yeah, that was a very long answer, but those are some of my thoughts on that topic, which I love to talk about. I feel you have to have a certain sense of uh, calmness and patience particularly being in this field too. And I feel like I would even kill plants just with my loud noise. And I feel like everybody who is so nurturing and, and is a plant and garden lover, I find that their personality matches that. Like they're very calm. They're very patient. They are connected to the land. And I'm like, here stomping around and screaming. And then the plants are all dying around me. And then I wonder why I can't keep plants alive. Oh my goodness, Holly, you will, you will not kill the plants, I promise. Um, but it's funny you bring that up because uh, personally, I, I love people. I really do. But I'm also a really big introvert. And I spend way more time with plants than I do with people. And because they don't talk, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I am a little bit quieter now that I think about it. Maybe I am more of a quiet person. But um, yeah, a lot of plant people are, are a little bit like that. I can, I can see where you're going with that. <laughs> I want to get back though, too, about weeds, maybe specifically. So when we're starting in a garden, we're, we're looking at weeds and, and Britt, you actually put a new spin on the term of edible weeds. As <laughs> I saw on your Instagram that you were eating 
Oh gosh. What was it like a dandelion? (laughs) I know. And Holly, my husband and I saw your, your Instagram story today, I think where you were talking about, um, introducing this episode and you had said, is a dandelion a weed or would you eat one and, and stuff? So I'm going to challenge you on that. (laughs) What's so amazing about a dandelion is that from its leaves to its bloom, to even its roots can, can all be eaten. (laughs) So you may not, you may not find if you're new to eating more bitter plants, um, dandelion is one of the very bitter ones. You may not find that it's exactly tasty, but I actually crave bitter now. And especially in the spring when our bodies and our digestion really need that awakening. Um, I've munched on quite a few dandelion flowers. So I, I want you to try it one day. I want you to just try it and tell me what you think. <laughs> just go in the backyard, grab a dandelion, pop it in and just any seasonings or anything I should be adding Brit. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of salt, <laughs> just a little bit. No, but you can actually, um, there's so many recipes with dandelion. So if you're not into just eating it raw, that's completely fine. Um, but you can also make like really delicious dandelion fritters. You can just deep fry them and anything is good deep fried as we all know. So that's so interesting. And I read that there's actually like dozens of edible flowers and weeds that we can find right here in our backyard. So other than dandelions, Britt, what else are they? Oh, there's hundreds and hundreds. So in the Ottawa Valley, we we have so much green space, but also we're surrounded by this beautiful river, which is really just the spine of our area. So not only do we have forest and open field and some waterfront ecosystems, we have all of these modern areas in between, like our residential developments and our backyards. So I would wager that probably on a walk around your own neighborhood, you could probably spot at least 10 to 15 medicinal plants. Um, now, most people think they're just pesky weeds and most people will mow over medicinals every week. So um, it's hard to really to really pick a favorite, but just a few. So plantain will grow up through the cracks of sidewalks and it, you can also find it in some open grassy areas and it's an amazing skin soother for bites and stings. And red clover will grow all over lawns. If you don't mow your lawn for a little while, especially if if we have lots of rain, you'll see these beautiful pink little heads come up and some leaves that have some chevron stripes on them. You can also eat those. And actually, I have a really good memory of my friends and I, when we were kids, we used to play a game with them. And I think we'd call them honey flowers because uh, they don't taste like a dandelion. They're so sweet, <laughs> which is kind of a hint to their uh, medicinal qualities. But yeah, here in Deep River, we have wild raspberry that grows everywhere. So not only can you pick wild berries, but uh, you can harvest the leaves and they make a really wonderful tea for uh, uterine tonic and menstrual pain. So yeah, it's amazing how much all of these medicinals have learn to thrive even when we've mowed over them and bulldozed over them they still grow so they're very strong (laughs) and now not all plants and weeds are safe plants though Britt like I mean obviously we know about poison ivy oleander wild parsnip and without the proper education and there can be you know misidentification and of course those that seek dangerous recreational experiences right (laughs) So which plants should we be cautious about, especially locally and, and which ones are deadly? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
I find that every time that I'm, I'm with somebody and we're outside, they're always saying, Britt, is there poison ivy around here? Because I don't know what it looks like. Um, and I feel like I've walked in it before, but I really, I love studying dangerous plants or what's so-called dangerous because um, in herbalism, we know that every plant, whether it's traditionally edible or not, it has specific energetics and a use and a purpose. So um, even just mushrooms, wild growing mushrooms, for example, most of us have been told forever to steer clear of them, do not eat them, don't even touch them. And I find that it's made us become really afraid of coming across any mushrooms in the outdoors in general. Um, there's almost just a stigma about these dangerous plants. And because we've kind of lost that passed down wisdom of having plant ID skills in our families, I feel like we're missing out on so many free and wild plants. So I'd like to show that there are far more edible and helpful plants than there are dangerous ones. And most of the dangerous ones like poison ivy or hogweed or poison hemlock, they'll produce a topical reaction if you handle them or you brush them. And that's really helpful because back in time with our ancestors, it told us that this plant wants to be left alone and that it's not edible. Um, but poison hemlock, for example, if you do ingest it, it can cause seizures and death, which we do not want. But it also looks a lot like plants like fennel and wild carrots, which are edible. So I like to kind of look at dangerous plants as a question. So in nature, why are there so many lookalikes to dangerous plants? Was it nature's way of protecting the availability of other plants, protecting us? Is it because other animals needed them for survival? So it's great to be able to identify them to protect yourself, but there's also a lot to learn from them. And something that's really helpful is just purchasing an Ontario field guidebook. And you can find that at tourism stores or even online or at a bookstore. And you can start taking it with you on your walks just to see, oh, there's poison ivy or there's poison hemlock and, and kind of seeing where it grows and what's around it and maybe why, um, why it wants to, you know, keep us away from it. <laughs> That's one thing I feel like we just, we look at the scenery, we look at nature, but we're not actually really looking at it. Yeah, there's like, it's really wonderful because there's just, even if you were to be, um, even in somewhere as, as kind of high traffic as Algonquin Park, you know, a specific area there, even just within like a square meter, just looking at the plants, there's such an incredible ecosystem just within that little area. So it is nice once you start noticing something and you can recognize it again and seeing kind of what's, what's going on below us instead of just looking at all the beautiful views, which, which are wonderful too, but yeah, there's, there's a lot at play in the forest that you can really get into. Culinary herbs also include the most common ones that we know of, right? Like dill, basil, parsley, oregano, among so many others. But what are some others that we might not think of that actually can be used in recipes? Yes, there are so many. So I, I brought up dandelion. So dandelion leaf is really, really wonderful in salads. So if you're doing like a beautiful crisp, maybe like a butter lettuce salad and you wanna bring some bitter into it, which is so great for your digestion, you can go out and get some dandelion leaf as long as it's from, um, if you know you haven't used any chemicals on your lawn or, or wherever you're harvesting it from. Um, we talked about deep frying the dandelion heads, but you can also pickle them in the spring. It's really best done before they've opened up because they can fluff up quite a bit. 
Uh, what else? Stinging nettle has a really, really yummy umami flavor that works really great in soups or in baked goods. It's a little bit um, herbaceous and sometimes it reminds people of seaweed. So if you're doing a Thai soup, that would be a wonderful addition. And there's garlic mustard. Garlic mustard is an invasive plant here. So it's not native and it can actually alter our ecosystem. So it's always nice to harvest those plants when you see it. And that dish can go in absolutely anything. Um, violet leaf is a really wonderful lymph mo mover. And I've put it into stir fries. I've put it into a pierogi casserole before. Um, and then we have so many beautiful blooms like beech rose, elderflower. You can make those into syrups and jams. If it's an edible, it can really go into anything. I think the fun part is tasting it on its own first and, and thinking, what does this remind me of? What does this make me want to create in the kitchen? So yeah, I find eating wild weeds is really empowering because it just shows us how much is around us. And it kind of reminds us what our ancestors would have survived on before we were so lucky and privileged to have everything, you know, all beautiful and packed up for us in the grocery store. So there's tons. Yeah. You guys must have some interesting recipes and, <laughs> uh, and meals at dinner time, you know, very different than us. Uh, I mean, I'm always thinking like, even to myself, I never throw spices and I never think to throw spices or, or other herbs in our, in our meals. And my husband's always like, you know, there's has no taste. We have to give a little, little bit of pep to it. So I can only imagine all the things that you guys must have. Oh, well, I should send you some of our salt, Holly, as, as a thank you, because we've just made um, something that for our herbal foodies and it's called wild and salt. And it's just a fleur de sel from France and it's infused with fur tips and nettle. So you can really put it in place of salt in any recipe and it's very gentle. So it's good for a beginner too. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, I just ventured out to pink Himalayan salt the other day. So I'm, oh. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm not that adventurous, but that was my first step. <laughs> good for you. It's, it's hard to become, you know, it, when sometimes when you get into making so many of your normal recipes, or even if maybe your partner or your spouse cooks more than you do, it's hard to venture out, but there's so much with herbs you can get really creative with in the kitchen. And it's a good way to get them into you through food. It doesn't feel like it's um, like you're taking a medicine that doesn't taste good. It's just eating a meal. Well, you mentioned medicine, Brett. So let's go ahead and switch <laughs> gears a bit. And let's talk about strengthening our health systems naturally versus immediately turning to medicine, because this is actually something that you practice. Yeah, so I first like to start off by saying this just with a note that um, I'm not giving any health advice and I'm just speaking generally here, but speaking generally, we all have a different biological terrain, right? So our bodies have both innate and acquired immunity. So our innate immunity would be the defense system that our bodies are born with. And acquired immunity is actually our body's memory cells that learn to recognize certain illnesses and then they can develop a defense. So I can't really speak very much to any personal health advice, but I can speak about um, my own thoughts. And I think that anyone can agree that having a really healthy and resilient body uh, during a pandemic or not is something that helps the well being of all of us. Because I mean, the truth is that there'll always be something harmful to our health based on the society we live in. Um, new viruses mutate every day. And we still haven't even gotten to the bottom of some newer conditions like autoimmune disease. So 
if we have more chemicals in our air and in our foods, then it's really just about building up your health terrain as much as you can so that you can sustain whatever does happen. And herbalism is a really great pathway into that. Um, we can all agree that no matter where you are in Ontario or Canada, there's always a shortage of doctors. And sometimes there's even, I think, a disproportionate accessibility to healthcare that leaves us feeling really empowered to care for ourselves. So we even have waiting lists for naturopaths and for midwives. So for herbalism, both in the education and in professional services, it's something that I hope can become more accessible without being too regulated to death because <laughs> it's a wonderful option for those that are seeking general well-being without maybe an acute condition or disease and to be able to care for ourselves with what is at our disposal is really empowering so herbs are just one small portal into that area and you mentioned too about viruses and immune diseases that are constantly popping up here and we all obviously know what happened with the pandemic, that was something new. So mm -hmm. why do you think that we need to build health resilience using herbal medicine, especially in the age of a global pandemic? Yeah, so well, think of the layers of our healthcare system that are currently being exposed. So the pandemic really showed us how our capacity for hospitals was actually almost on the edge prior to the pandemic. And then we learned about what was happening in senior care homes. So right now, say if you're sick with a cold or a flu, you have a couple options. You can book an appointment with your family doctor if you're lucky enough to have one, or you have to go to the emergency room. And who really wants to be in the emergency room right now? So you may know, okay, I feel like I'm getting this again. I feel like maybe strep is coming back. And you may know you need an antibiotic. And here you are in the emergency room and you're sitting next to someone who maybe you know, had an accident with a knife, or there's like an eight-year-old child with a broken leg. And then there's even someone just waiting to have a birth control prescription refilled because they don't have a family doctor either. Um, it's really hard and it's almost sometimes demoralizing to, to go through that. But I think that if you have a daily herbal practice with maybe an immunomodulant like reishi mushroom, you, you may not even be experiencing a cold because you've already been nourishing your body's resiliency with plants. Or if you have gotten the cold, because we all do get sick at some point, you might be able to manage your symptoms at home with an immune stimulant like echinacea, for example. And perhaps you can just cozy up at home with a tea. You can take a tincture every few hours. You can have a wonderful herbal steam. And then you freed up not only hours of your own time, but the time and energy of our doctors and nurses and hospital staff. And I think that you'll feel really powerful just knowing that you did this with things that were available to you with the, the education that you had. So that's the kind of health resiliency that I think is important. And that's the kind of options I would love to see become more normalized in our society. Um, now you should always consult your healthcare practitioner when you aren't feeling well, but you also know your body best and you do need to be your own healthcare advocate as well. Great advice. Yeah. Especially with the, with the cold too, I feel like we just immediately turn to the neocitrin and, mm -hmm. and the Tylenol colds and flu. And at the end of the day, really, does it help that much cold effects? Is it really help us <laughs> build immunities in our bodies? Right? Like we've been telling yeah. ourselves this for years. And I mean, 
all I know is that when I take a NyQuil, I've got a NyQuil hangover the next day. Like, oh yeah. It's like, how much is that really helping? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great for if at that acute moment, you really need to get some sleep, of course, but there's so many other options as well. It just really depends on your needs in your body. And of course, what your, what your own health practitioner advises you. Absolutely. And another thing too, but I want to kind of talk our vitamins, because one thing that we were really lacking last year was the lack of sunlight from going on trips. And even this year, it's still kind of up in the air. And that's why I think we are so lucky that mother nature has blessed us so graciously with such beautiful weather, except for the past week, we've had a lot of rain, but I'm talking about like May and June when we had such beautiful weather. And so we were soaking it all in and enjoying all this vitamin D, but other than taking drugstore Jameson vitamins, what are some other ways to boost our vitamin D uptake that's natural and easy, that's natural and easily accessible? There we go. <laughs> you got there. Yeah. So vitamin D is the very important vitamin for all of us. It's actually what's called a pro-hormone. So it it has impacts on our nervous system, on our immune system. And because we live in the Northern hemisphere during winter time, so even from October going into March, then we're not getting the vitamin D levels that we need. And most of us, I think research has shown that we're so, so, you know, we don't have the correct levels. Um, it's, we're deficient in it, sorry. Um, so, <laughs> A really good source of vitamin D, if we're looking at plant sources, are mushrooms. Mushrooms are a wonderful source, and you can go ahead and purchase mushrooms at the grocery store, bring them home. It's also really nice to have um, a nice warming recipe with it, cook them really well. But one really important thing with mushrooms is that if you're buying them commercially, most of them are grown indoors and not in natural sunlight, but mushrooms have this pretty magical ability to absorb more vitamin D from the sun. So if you bring them home and you lay them out and you can put them on your windowsill, or if it's a sunny day, you can just lay them out on your deck, then they will continue to absorb more vitamin D. And then when you eat them, they'll be sort of charged. Um, so that's something that I find is really great about mushrooms. Now, chaga is something that's available here. It grows on birch trees. And another good source is oyster mushroom or chanterelle. Even shiitake is a really good one. And then for other food sources, if you're, if you're not a vegan, then salmon is a really nice one. And then we, of course, we have lots of fortified foods and greens, greens that are grown outside organically that soak up that beautiful sun are full of real vitamin D. So that's a wonderful thing to lean on as well. Thanks for tuning in to the OV Boss Babes podcast. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hey there. Are you looking for an extracurricular activity for your 6 to 10 year old child to participate in? And are you looking for a safe activity that can be done in the comfort and safety of your own home? Hi. I'm April Resmer, and I've been teaching piano, voice, and theory to children for over 20 years. Here at Ms. April's Music Studio, I have designed a video piano lesson that is specifically meant for at-home study. This means no lesson times to remember and no driving to lessons. It's genius, am I right? 
All you need for this course is a piano or a keyboard, the method books, and a Google account. And once a week, the lessons are shared with you. My next session starts this coming September. Visit my Facebook and Instagram at Miss April's Music Studio, or visit my website at missaprilsmusicstudio.mymusicstaff.com to sign up and reserve your child's spot. Spaces are limited, so sign up today. Hi, and welcome. I'm Jenna Walsh, registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, and founder of Walsh Nutrition. Being born and raised in Renfrew County, the diverse rural setting has encouraged me to expand my nutritional expertise in most traditional areas such as diabetes and weight management, but also in less traditional areas such as digestive health, pediatric nutrition, and eating disorders. As a mom of three busy young ladies, I get the real-life struggles. I know the difference between textbook or ideal beliefs around food versus just trying to get through a week. Whether you are looking to change your weight, build a healthier relationship with food, or manage a chronic illness, come chat to see how I can help you reach your goals. Find me at walshnutrition.ca or on Instagram and Facebook at walsh.nutrition. Hey, it's Lisa from Ella's Keeping Company in Renfrew. Find unique and trendy women's fashions, gifts, and home decor in a one-stop shop. Now, let's get back to the podcast. And I also want to talk about something that we all deal with, as you guys all know. I'm not dealing with it right now, but I have. (laughs) We are all women. We've all dealt with that time of the month's dreadful menstrual cramps, and we know our bodies by now to know the signs of when the pain is going to start. So Britt, other than grabbing a hot water bottle, some chocolate and popping some Advil, throwing on some sex in the city, (laughs) what natural and effective remedies and products would you recommend? Oh, so yeah, I I love talking menstrual health and and herbs. It's one of the reasons why I actually got into herbalism. Um, I've suffered from ovarian cysts and PMDD, and now I manage my cycle and hormones naturally. So I really love talking bleeding and herbs. The the first thing I would probably suggest is if you are experiencing painful or heavy or irregular cycles is it's really eye-opening to have a hormonal blood panel done and you can rule out any hormonal imbalances with this. So you can schedule one with your doctor or with a naturopathic doctor. I've done it personally and, um, and kind of gone over the results with my naturopathic doctor and shown, okay, is it estrogen? Is it progesterone? And that was great because then from there, you know exactly what to go to and what options are available for you. But for general well-being during your cycle, I really love building up those iron reserves with nettle and oat straw tea, especially the week before bleeding. And during bleeding, I think a lot of um, our cycle ease tea is a really good option. I drink it like crazy. I feel like I'm my best customer for for our cycle ease tea. So it includes a blend of herbs that work for pain and balance, as well as some of that gastrointestinal pain that can come up. I slather on our moon time salve over my abdomen and lower back. And I really use CBD a lot. So Prairie and Luna in Petawawa, they have these really delicious caramel chocolates with CBD. 
They have CBD infused bath bombs. Um, most of all though, I really like talking about radical rest for if you are a menstruator, because this is the time when our bodies really move inward and everything is telling us to slow down. So it's taken some time to develop because I am a wife and a parent and a friend and a business owner. But over the years, almost everyone now in my life knows that I'm really not available during my bleed week. Um, today, I'm actually on day two of my period. <laughs> and this is it for the day. Um, so that feels expansive just to know that uh, I can have some rest. And my husband will help with cooking more. I spend a lot of time in the tub. I rest, I journal, I use marijuana and CBD. And um, yeah, it's, it's a time that I now look forward to because I know that it'll be a break in the normal. Um, and I also wanna say that it can feel really selfish at first and kind of strange the first time you wanna start this practice, but really caring for yourself during this time is what flows outward to everyone around you. So it's almost as if you're coming back from a vacation, you feel really rested and fresh. And even just taking that for yourself gives other people the freedom to do that for themselves. So, yeah. Britt, I love that you talked about this and that it's a conversation more and more women are having and saying that it's okay to take that time for self-care and to make, to normalize having your period and, and saying that, you know, it's a time where I'm going through something, your mm -hmm. hormones are all over the place and you need, like you said, the bath time to get your CBD oil or edibles or whatever kind of makes you makes you whole and makes you kind of feel at ease. And I, I love that your husband supports you during this time too. And I also really appreciate that you're, you're leaving your energy with me for this hour, um, <laughs> that I was grateful enough to get you during this time. Um, so thank you for that. But I just think it's just so important to normalize it and having these conversations instead of sucking it up or, you know, just blaming it, like we've been doing all this time on our periods and yeah. taking that time and the self-care for yourself to kind of just get by. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also find that, or my hope at least is that talking about this sort of, I, you know, I keep saying it sometimes with my friends, it's radical rest, but it shouldn't really feel radical. It should really just feel normal and accepted. But I do hope that talking about this sort of practice gives freedom for others to take it. And I also hope that it can maybe even in time trickle down into things like available sick days at work for menstruators and just more uh, of a cultivation of kindness and compassion for people who are going through things like endometriosis and infertility. Um, there's so much about uh, cycles that really impact everybody around us. So it's, it's, a, it's been a good thing for me and I hope that more people can, can enjoy that idea as well of doing it for themselves. Well, while we're on the topic of, you know, the CBD oil and, and products like that, let's actually jump into your products, Britt. Um, and because I'm not joking, like you offer everything from body scrubs and intimacy oils and nursing butter and tea blends, face masks. Like I'm going to keep going on and on here if I don't stop, but <laughs> I want to talk one of them that I just mentioned above. And that was the intimacy oil. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about this herbal lubricant. Yeah. So um, I'd just like to be clear that our intimacy oil does not contain 
CBD and nothing I craft contains CBD or marijuana. <laughs> We've been speaking about that a little bit. So I just want to be clear, but yeah, our, our connect intimacy oil was something that I've been working on for a while. And it, in a way I was a little bit nervous to launch it because it was something very important to me, but I wasn't quite sure how our community would go for it and let alone how to market it online in a, in a tasteful way. But really, sexual well-being, it's an important part of human health. And when I'm crafting herbal offerings, it's usually to show our community that there are many herbs that are a better fit than chemicals and toxins. So when I was doing the research for this, when I learned that most lubricants contain things that are really harmful to our bodies and specifically very harmful to vaginas. <laughs> and I knew that I wanted to crack something that worked for one and was hypoallergenic and was also just really fun and easy to use. So it's an oil-based lubricant. So it can't be used with latex condoms or latex sex devices because oil-based lubricants can actually degrade latex. So that's just not something you want to use it with, but it, it sold out this week, just a few days after our launch. And I had so many wonderful conversations with our customers. I had husbands emailing me for their wives. I had customers discussing with me about their own interactions with other lubricants that just didn't work. So it was just nice to connect uh, with others on this area of well-being that's so human and so important to all of us, especially surrounding pleasure. Um, yeah, it's been great so far. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do you make your products then, Britt? And how do you come up with the scents too? Yeah, so um, I make the, I, a lot of times I say we, but really it's, it's me. My husband helps me quite a bit, but it's really just me making them. So it's a very personal experience and something that I really enjoy. I actually don't lean on scent so much in the beginning, I'll kind of think about uh, if I'm crafting something seasonally, like say a fall is coming up, then I'm thinking about herbs that are warming and starting to like pull us into that transition from fall to winter or even from summer's high energy into fall. So I'll start with the plants that are available and what are growing. Um, and then I'll think about what I would like to infuse them in. So it could be an infused oil where we can make a really nice salve for your skin, or it could be something like a tea blend. And from there, the scents kind of come at the end because I try not to lean too much on essential oils. I think that's also a big misconception about herbalists is that we're just working with essential oils, but we're actually working with whole plant matter. And when you distill an essential oil for its scent, you're actually losing a lot of the constituents and benefits that you can get from a whole plant. And it takes an insane amount of plant matter just to make one small bottle of essential oil. So I will use some ethical small distillations of essential oils if we, if we really want a scent for something. But a lot of customers have talked about how they are scent sensitive and they enjoy that the offerings really smell real and not too perfumey. And that's always a big compliment because I love surprising people with like, this is just the real scent of calendula infused in oil, um, or this is the scent of chamomile and there's no essential oil or volatile oil content to it. And I want to also talk about your collaborative 
um, projects that you've got working on too, Britt, because I've seen that you've collaborated with Shannon from Anupaya as a guest mm-hmm. writer and photographer. You've hosted a virtual workshop uh, for Herbstock and you've helped other plant-loving businesses with wholesale herbal offerings. But Lately, I see that you've been working alongside Akosia Sare, who is not only my first guest on the podcast, but she is also the proud owner of Replanted, an urban market garden also located in Deep River. Yes. Yeah. So Akos is really just a good friend of mine. I actually just got off the phone with her before we started <laughs> this interview because she did a, a wonderful stand market at her place today and she was just calling me to tell me how it went. How's she doing? I miss her. Oh, she's doing so well. Aww. So this morning she had her first farm market and it was just in the garden at her house in Deep River. And we got there quite early because she lives she lives like across the alley from me. So I really get my vegetables like from my backyard, except I don't grow them. She grows them. <laughs> so my husband and I walked over really early or what we thought was early. And there was already a lineup of people from deep river waiting to buy from her. That's awesome. Oh yeah. my gosh. Good for her. I know ever since, ever since her former business had to shut their doors. And then I saw that she was uh, immediately opening up a new one afterwards. I was so proud of her and to see her yes. coming along. Um, but getting back to like your partnership though. So how do mm-hmm. the two of you guys work together and what does she specifically bring to the table for your business? Yeah. Well, so we met because she was turning her front yard into a garden and my husband and I were just walking by um, and we just started talking with her and complimenting her in the garden. And, you know, it was a really like just good vibe, the both of us talking. And there was one point where we were almost just like yelling at each other across the road (laughs) because we were so excited. Like you like composting and I love soil and gardening and So I just invited her over for tea um, and we swapped some seeds from our garden and, you know, she brings me her seed catalogs when they come in. Um, I feel like professionally, it's mostly just a really supportive friendship. I mean, there's been times where if I need printer paper, she has it. Or, you know, we split on a cost of our sheet manure for the garden, which made things really affordable. Um, She's also, she's modeled for us. Uh, for our pine and clover shoots, because I love using our customers as models that are real humans and who already know the offerings. And I've helped her with some photography before for replanted. So um, yeah, our businesses both intersect a lot because of our proximity, but I think also our our values and our principles. Um, So I'm actually doing a pop-up market with a coast next week at Fifth and Co., so I don't know when this episode is going to be airing, but if it's before July 15th, then please come and meet a coast and hang out with us. We would really love that. All the promotion that we can get for Fifth & Co. and all the other wonderful vendors that are going to be there. We're so excited to come check you guys out. Oh. And uh, and what a great opportunity for you guys too. And I'm, that's why I thought this works out so well when I saw that it got canceled because of the rain and was being pushed. And I thought, okay, this works out great for promotion then. Oh, Holly, you have no idea. So I was so excited for it. But at the same time, as I was saying, you know, it's it's period week for me and it, there was rain. So almost in a way, not selfishly speaking, but I was just happy that it got pushed a little bit because a lot of other things lined up. And I find that's always really lovely when that happens. There's, you know, a negative followed by 10 more positives. So <laughs> it was in the cards. It was supposed to happen. Yeah. Also, while we're on the topic of markets, 
obviously we all had to get a little bit creative this year and, uh, and jump on board with virtual markets. Although I think that we're kind of done with those now, but I personally don't think anyone did a virtual market better than the one that cheerfully may did when they hosted their virtual spring market. And, and Britt, you had some very kind words to share about Emily's business, specifically touching on her support to vendors this past year. Yeah, so in the spring, um, Shannon from Anupaya and Tegan from Tegan Parks Florals, we hosted our own pop-up market at Fifth & Co. And Emily from Cheerfully Made and her employee and her partner, Lauren, they came out all the way from Almont just to you know come to the pop-up, meet us. They did some shopping at the local businesses and they got some lunch. So that was just really wonderful to see because Emily and Lauren are really they're true small maker cheerleaders. You know, they came all the way out here and after meeting them in person, I thought, okay, they they purchased some of our offerings, so they must be into them. And they both connect with a, a crazy amount of local makers, both through their shop and through Etsy. But they did have the spring virtual market coming up. So I applied to it. I was accepted. I think it went really well. Um, and now they, they've invited our offerings to be in the shop at Cheerfully Made. So they're now our Almont stockist for Pine and Clover, which is a really big compliment because uh, my husband and I love Almont and we really wanted to be in there. And if you've been to Cheerfully Made, you know that it's just the most weird and wonderful little shop because they not only support a lot of Canadian makers, but they aren't afraid to take a leap and really invest in those super niche makers and some of the folks that are really doing unique things. So, um, you know, I've become really close now with Lauren. We chat almost every other week. She runs an online business about living cyclically sorry, cyclically called Finding Julian. So a new friendship came out of it too. And uh, yeah, it was a win-win all around for everyone, I think. That's awesome. It's so great to see you connecting with people all over the Ottawa Valley and to see more and more businesses like Emily's popping up and learning about them that are actually giving um, more businesses the platform and an area to showcase their products. I just think that's so wonderful, whether it's e-commerce online or in their store, and it just comes full circle learning about all these other businesses. And she features actually quite a few businesses across Canada, I've noticed. She does. And some things it's almost, it's the makers that you haven't, you haven't seen before, which I yeah. think is so great that she really takes a leap on those and, and supports them. So that's wonderful. Yeah. I love Emily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I also want to talk real quick, Britt, about something that was super groovy you did back in June. I'm saying super groovy because it was a virtual blind date tea testing that you hosted <laughs> with your yogi pal. And I hope I don't butcher her name, Kylie McCure. Yeah, you okay, got it. Good. Awesome. Tell us more about this mystery tea tasting class and how it worked. Yeah, it, it was really fun. So we, we opened registration for our first class and the flow of the class was that I was going to be sending one serving of a mystery herb to our, res, our registrants and then they would brew the tea at home and then we would hop onto Zoom to taste it together and explore it without knowing what it was. So we called it a blind date tea tasting and Kylie was on board to lead this like really juicy movement portion that kind of brought the energetics of the plants into a yoga practice. 
Um, and everyone really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, our registration, when we opened it, it was filled within an hour. We did the first offering for free. So after that, we decided to do another one and uh, we had a, a payment option, but then we also wanted to offer a pay what you can option, which included both half price and $0. And Kylie and I were actually really surprised that no one signed up. So maybe everybody hated it. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, but we had wonderful feedback from our participants. And I actually have a few ideas for how to make the next one better, but it was just timing. So in June, everyone was done with Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the pandemic's fault, all of this working from home. And even for myself, things have been so busy in the garden and in real life that it's been really difficult for, for me to even keep going with, with that virtual education when we just want to be outside and not in front of a screen. So I'm thinking about bringing it back again for the fall uh, when people you know, want to feel like they want to be indoors and maybe with a hot tea and doing some slower practices like reading and learning. And, but for now, I'm just going to take the, the summer as it comes. Yeah, no, that's a great idea to do it in the fall. And especially now that, like I said earlier, that we're moving into stage three and that we can actually have unlimited capacity at even tables now. So if you ran out of space and, and could you imagine like everybody with blindfolds on and drinking oh, some tea? Like that could be fun. It would be great to do it in person. Yeah, because we we did everything virtually and that was wonderful. But even to do it in person, um, you just have sort of a different, you're, you're kind of working off everybody's vibe in person and everyone's energy. And I think that would be really wonderful. So I'm, I like that idea. Yeah, you should do it. Mm -hmm. All right, Britt, well, we are going to wrap this up and move into my rapid 10. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so would you ever consider writing a book about like herbal remedies, how to become or create an uh, apothecary, edible plant recipes? I would love to. So <laughs> I love writing. If you're a publisher listening, you know where to find me. I think that would be so wonderful. Yes, always. It's my dream. Okay. That's on like your 2022 bucket list. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. How can you tell the difference between a male and a female plant? Which I didn't know that there were like different sexes for plants. That's so cool. Yeah. So it depends on the plant really. Um, I'm trying to think of one that has as a good example that I can speak without like giving you hand movements to tell you. Um, maybe just a quick answer would be get your plant ID book and look if the plants are pollinated because sometimes you need both a male and a female to pollinate. So if a plant has fruit, um, then you can tell the difference. That's kind of a tricky answer, but hopefully that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of using aloe vera for a sunburn, which one of your products do you recommend? Ooh, I would recommend our Sun Men salve, which does contain aloe vera, but it's not the aloe vera gel. It's powdered whole plant aloe vera. And it also contains calendula and some plantain to soothe that burn. Do you believe that raspberry leaf tea helps to kickstart labor? Well, it's a uterine tonic, which uh, technically 
speaking means that it's a general well-being tonic for that organ. So it may not exactly kickstart labor, but it definitely will help your uterus to be performing optimally. Um, so the jury's still a little out on that one, I think. <laughs> all right, but let's settle this once and for all. Is a dandelion a flower or a weed? <laughs> <laughs> It is a weed, but weeds are amazing. <laughs> so it depends on how you're looking at it and how you feel about the term weed. But I think that weeds are worth exploring a little bit more. So we go. leave that there. <laughs> what are honeymooning herbals? Yeah, so uh, some really good honeymooning herbals are things like rose, which open up your heart. Um, chocolate, like cacao, is a wonderful one as well. Um, those two work really well together. I did a blog post on this, actually. So if, if you want a longer answer, you can check out our blog on it, too. Perfect. How do your facial steam cakes work? Oh, they're very fun. We've had a lot of great feedback about them. So what they are is they're um, a little cake. They're herbs that are formed with raw local honey into a square cake. And you just pop them into warm water and let them dissolve a little bit. You can throw a towel over your head and then you can lean in and allow the herbs to go through the modality of the water to penetrate your face. And then when you're done, because all of the herbs used in them are edible, if you're brave enough, you can go ahead and strain that liquid and you can actually drink it as a tea as well for some internal care. So. Oh my goodness, a three in one. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your go-to summer herbal tea? Ooh, well, we have one that we just came out with for our summer seasonal offerings and it's called High Solstice. So it includes hibiscus, which is very tart um, and really refreshing for that kind of sour taste that we crave in the summer. And it also includes nettle, which is nourishing and nutritive and lemon balm, which is really cooling. And when you brew it, it has this beautiful, rich red flavor, or sorry, not flavor, hue <laughs> from, from the hibiscus. And it's very internally cooling and it's great to do iced with some lemon or honey. And that's what I've been drinking all summer. What's one local business you want everybody to know about? Mm, so this is, this is difficult because almost all of my friends own a business, which makes this very hard. But I'm thankful for the opportunity to have gotten to name some names throughout this conversation. So I would love to stay Deep River Proud and put a spotlight on Rico Refillery. So Nat is the owner and she, you may know her because she's also a photographer and she owns Laurentian Brew Kombucha, but she opened Rico during a pandemic and it is great. It's a zero waste store and refillery. It's a beautiful shop that's so bright and we are so, so lucky to have this option. You can refill your laundry soap, you can get your dishwasher tabs, you can refill your shampoo. You do not have to purchase a plastic bottle again. You can just bring your own jar and fill it up. Awesome. And I know that they were originally at uh, Blends downtown Pembroke before Dale left. Um, but now at least, you know, we get another reason to go out to Deep River and to go see Nat and maybe go grab some booch. Um, but what a great shout out. Awesome, Britt. 
<laughs> yes, please come to Deep River. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at lately, guys. I'm telling you. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, Britt, thank you so much for such an enlightening conversation. I know I've taken so much away from this and learned so, so much. I feel like just my research alone, prepping for your questions just already gave me so much insight and sitting with you, you are not an introvert whatsoever. You are a total extrovert. Like you, I, I'd like me, I'm bringing you over to the dark side here, opening you up. And I'm so excited for everybody to listen in and get to know you. Oh, you're so sweet, Holly. Thank you. I, I so appreciate you wanting to bring herbalism onto the pod and I can't thank you enough for the chat. It was great to connect with you. For sure. Well, tell everybody, Britt, where they can find you on all the socials and as well where they can place orders on your website. Yeah. So you can place orders on our website at pineandclover.ca or you can connect with us on Instagram at pineandcloverapothecary. Please say hello. I love chatting in the DMs. Um, that sounded really... <laughs> slide into my dms <laughs> <Don't be there. laughs> please say hello um the one thing i really enjoy about our community is that i get to connect a lot with my customers since we are online so send an email or reach out if you have any questions about herbalism i'm here and i would love to chat and she'd love to see you guys in person next week yes please Co's market downtown downtown pembroke right yes it's at yes. Fifth okay. downtown pembroke Fantastic. All right. Well, Britt, we will see you there. Everybody, thank you so much for continuing to listen and be there to support our local businesses, especially to continue on seeing everybody in person now that the final stage will be open as of next Friday. Um, as always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on an Apple podcast. We love reading the reviews and we will see you guys next Monday. Thanks, Britt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.